This is the Pastor Wife Life, a podcast for pastor's wives. Our hope is to bring encouragement and inspiration to your pastor wife life. Life in the ministry is one of the most fulfilling callings there is, but it's also one of the most challenging. We believe that God has uniquely gifted you to fulfill this calling. Our lives will probably not look the same. Our families and churches may be very different, but I think we can all agree that God is good and He is faithful to gently lead us on this journey, providing everything we need to live the pastor-wife life. Hey there, pastor's wives. I'm Jackie Garner, and this is episode 60 of the pastor-wife life. In this episode, I want to share what I've been getting out of, let's call it Paul's School of Ministry. Since the beginning of the year, I have been working my way through Paul's books. Since my word of the year for 2019 is pastor, I've really kind of been focusing and paying attention to the way that Paul pastors his people. So last week, I finished up 1 Thessalonians, and I want to share some of the notes that I took in the last chapter. One of the things I really appreciate about Paul is how practical he is. He is really to the point when it comes on how to when it comes to pastoring people. So as I've been reading through his letters, I have personally been so convicted like about my personal life, about ministry life. It's just been it's like I've never read these epistles before even though I have. It's really coming to life to me this year. So I was reading chapter five and I felt like Paul was like listening in, spying on me or something. And then then this was him tapping me on the shoulder with his concerns about me. So I'm hoping that there's at least one of you who can relate to this episode. The rest of you can just listen in while I like verbally process the, what I wrote down in my notes. So let's take a look at first Thessalonians five, verse 14 in the ESV. It says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And then I want to read it to you again in the amplified version. It says, we earnestly urge you, believers, admonish those who are out of line, the undisciplined, the unruly, the disorderly, encourage the timid who lack spiritual courage, help the spiritually weak, be very patient with everyone, always controlling your temper. So do you ever look around and think when it comes to spiritual things, nobody in this place gets it? Or or is that just me? Some days I feel so frustrated because I feel like my husband is preaching a great word that we have put in place ways for people to grow in him and they just don't get it. I see people standing in the foyer and they're waiting for worship to be over and they will not come into the sanctuary until the preaching starts or the people who just attend church just so they can check it off. You know, there's, there's those people. I think we all probably have some of those. And then there, there's just the lack of spiritual maturity in some people that have been going to church and been believers like their whole lives. I just get so frustrated sometimes. And in the middle of it, the Holy Spirit kind of clears his throat. And then I realize that I, I'm, I'm the one here with the problem. I have become super self-centered. This verse from 1 Thessalonians just punched me right in the stomach. And I may be the only one that feels like this. I don't know. But... Here we go. I'm going to talk through this verse. So Paul's talking about three types of sheep, three types of people 
that um, we might be pastoring. And the first one that he mentions is the idol. That word for idol is, oh, I forgot. I looked it up how to say it before I started this. At Atticos, at, attack, at, okay, forget it. I don't know. But it means without order to be undisciplined and unruly, like the Amplified Version said it. And if someone is out of order, it means that they're refusing to observe God's guidelines, if you want to look at it that way. Now, we're talking about believers here in this verse, not not the lost. These are people who may know better, or they might be new believers who don't don't know better. They've never grasped certain things of the word yet because they're brand new. And Paul tells us instead of writing them off, instead of just ignoring their behavior, that, that we're to warn them. That word means to urge them to choose God's best by teaching them what the word says. It's, it's opening their eyes and guiding them to discover what the truth is. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean to chastise someone, but it can that can be a part of it. But this is why it's vital for us to develop relationships with our people because we really have to earn the right to speak into people's lives. And that, my friends, can take months and even years. I know in our church, we're making a huge shift in the way we disciple people. Our, our, our vision, our mission is the same as pretty much all churches, which is we're to, that we are a church who loves God, loves people, and changes lives. Discipleship is where this conversation of, of warning should take place. You know, many ladies are not going to be to the point where they're ready to receive instruction. And, and that's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay on our part. We can't make these women be ready to receive. Now, we can cultivate a relationship where we can love them and where we can encourage them to grow And we can cultivate an atmosphere to get them to a point, but we are not ultimately not in control of, of their heart and, and whether they're ready to receive instruction or not. But as our ladies stretch themselves and and they, they invest in growing spiritually, we'll have the opportunity to influence them on a deeper level. See, in our church, what we're developing is we've had small groups in our church, um, and they can be. They can be a large, larger group of women. And, and in that larger group of women, a lot of times it's, it's, you don't get into real issues. There's not a lot of time in that hour to do that. And, and we're, they're watching a video and it's, it's good stuff, but discipleship is something deeper than that. And that's, we're working on developing a way for women to be discipled and, and to have that opportunity to grow. So I have some ladies that I can be really blunt with. Um, these are ladies that that I've walked through their struggles with them. I've prayed through hurts and situations with them, and I, I've I've been allowed to speak into their lives when I feel that the Holy Spirit is is saying something. That, that they'll ask me, and and they've learned these women that I've that that I'm talking about here. They they've learned. Don't ask me if they don't really want if I if they don't really want to know the truth, then they shouldn't ask me because they know that I'm going to give them the truth. And then the ladies that are like in my, in my small group, 
um, I challenge them on a regular basis. I ask them questions of myself and them to, so that we can look at and, and consider and ask the Holy Spirit to point out areas and, and challenge challenges us in our spiritual growth. So we do have those ladies, but that's not everybody. And it's, that's really important to, 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 um, to recognize because this, this first guideline from Paul is tricky. We really have to rely on the Holy Spirit's timing. We have to rely on the on Him to give us the words that we use because we ultimately want our ladies to recognize what God is saying, to boldly confront the deception of the enemy, and to allow the Holy Spirit to empower them to be transformed. We're just the vessel that God will use to impact their lives. It's vital that we don't ignore this instruction from Paul. It's definitely not the fun part of pastoring women, but it's not fair to our ladies to avoid the conversations just because we're uncomfortable because no discipline in the moment feels good, but in the long run, it has long-term benefits. So, but again, it's tricky, and we have to be very open to the Holy Spirit, and we have to be spirit-led in this, not just flying off the handle at our flesh, but through our flesh, which is at least what I want to do a lot of the times. So this is something that I'm still growing in. I, I do feel like I have made some progress, but I am still growing in this. Um, praise God. He is working in me, especially after reading this scripture this last week. It's really been on my heart, and I've been constantly going over it in my head. So that's the first guideline, to warn the idol. The second one is to encourage the faint-hearted. And this one is a lot easier than the first one to me. I'd never noticed how many times the word encourage was used in the New Testament until this year as I've been really paying attention. You know, I've always thought of Paul as being really truth-driven and not very warm and fuzzy, which is okay. I like that because I'm a pretty truth-driven person. Like, I'm very black and white and I'm... Anyway, I'm blunt a lot of times. So I, I, I've seen, though, this other side of Paul as I've been really paying attention to his letters over and over again, how, he, how much he deeply loves his people. And he frequently talks about encouraging them. So in this verse, he's focusing on encouraging the faint-hearted. So I looked that word up, and I was actually kind of surprised to find out that basically the faint-hearted is a person who lacks courage because they're not confident in their identity in Christ. Of course, when I think about it, it makes perfect sense because anytime I meet with somebody or my husband and I meet together with somebody, we will often discover the root is that they have no idea who they are, who God called them to be, who God is. They, they're really lacking that identity. They don't have an understanding of what it means to be an adopted child of God. They don't understand the birthright that um, is theirs because of who they are in Christ. So our job is to encourage them. And I love what that word means. It means to cheer up someone with soothing speech that includes a personal touch. The enemy's biggest lies are directed to our true identity because if he can keep us from realizing who we are and the power that comes with it, then he doesn't really have to do much else to keep us living defeated, discouraged lives. So as encouragers, we can lovingly speak life into these women. We can listen to them as they share their story, looking for those details of, of you know, and, and, and discerning what lies the enemy has gotten them to believe so that we can gently guide them into the truth of God's word about who God is and about who they are. 
God himself is a very author of encouragement and we can become expert encouragers by making sure that we understand our own identity in Christ. Then we'll be able to minister out of the overflow of that. We'll be able to minister the encouragement that these women need. But we really do have to know who who God is and who we are in him. It's really, really vital. Encouragement is one of the soul's absolute greatest needs. Now, I'm not talking about these little sayings of personal empowerment that you see all over the internet. I'm talking about true biblical encouragement that's based on, on the word of God, the knowledge of who he is and how we fit into his story. That's real encouragement. Encouragement is a gift and it can bring healing to broken places. And as pastor's wives, we have the privilege of touching the lives of so many people with the power of encouragement. So that's Paul's second group of people that we can minister to. That is the faint-hearted, the ones that don't understand their identity in Christ and that we are to encourage them. So that's the second thing. The third one in this verse is that we are to help the weak. And help means exactly what you think it means, to care for people, to support them. And the weak are those who lack necessary resources and and or don't have adequate adequate strength and it leaves them frail and sickly. Our churches are full of all of these types of people. And Paul is reminding us to care for and to support the weak, to not leave them behind. This reminded me of the story of Moses and the battle of the Amalekites. This was a really fierce battle, but as long as Moses held up his arms, the Israelites were winning. But as soon as he put his arms down, they would begin to lose. So Aaron and her were there to help Moses. They were there to help him in his time of weakness. They moved a rock into position so that he could sit and rest his legs. And then they physically held up his arms until the battle was over and the victory was secured. God designed us for community. He designed for us all to work together. God knows our weaknesses and he's positions. He has positioned people to support other people. Let me say that again. Okay. He's, he positions people to support other people. So when one of our ladies is weak, we may find ourselves in the exact possession of what they need to see success in their battle. So let's not be afraid to jump in and offer our help to be proactive and just do it when the Holy spirit nudges you. Sometimes it's just going to take a listening ear, but sometimes we're going to need to jump in with both feet. Helping the weak will impact them in a way like no other. And it's one of the best ways that we can love our people. And that group is probably the easiest group to love for me because you can see that their struggles and they're hurting easily. And then there are going to be the people who are having those struggles that you don't see so well. And that's why it's so important to listen to the Holy Spirit and be led by him. So let, let's go back to my self-centeredness that I confessed about how frustrated I get with the different groups of people. Because it's really easy for me to get frustrated. Not all the time, like I said, but but the enemy loves this about me when I can't stand this about me. I hate it that I get so frustrated so easily. And I think Paul must have understood this because the end of this verse, he gives us the final guideline, which is to be patient with all. You know, I have patience for days for the lost. They don't know any better, but some days it is so hard for me to extend grace to those believers 
like they've been believers forever. Don't get me wrong. I really don't walk around just mad about everybody all the time. But those feelings of frustration do surface. So that's what I'm talking about in those times. Um, especially when I'm tired or, you know, I'm not focused on my purpose. I'm not looking at the big picture. Or maybe it's just that day when you get here and from the parking lot to the pew, it's just one thing after another where people are acting a fool. That happens sometimes. It just happens. But whatever excuse I have, the Holy Spirit is always going to check me and point it out at the beginning because those feelings are going to come, but it's when I allow them to dwell there and to dictate my attitude toward the people that I'm called to love and to serve. That's when it becomes an issue for me. I'm called to lovingly guide the ones who've gotten off track, to encourage and remind the ones who've lost their identity, and I'm to support the weak with all that I have and do it with an attitude of grace. The enemy's going to do all he can to stir up my frustration so that patient is the very last thing that you would call me. But by staying aware of this weakness in myself, I can allow the Holy Spirit a voice in my life and he'll keep me focused on who he is and what he's called me to do. Really, patience is developed in those moments of frustration when I choose, I have to choose to love people and to serve them. God has given me everything I need to live the life that he's called me to. So this whole episode is me preaching to myself and I hope that it encouraged you as well. So let me pray for you. Can I pray for me, for you, for all of us? I want to pray for a few things that we'd be fully aware of who we are in Christ so that we can recognize our weaknesses so that they can be healed so that we can minister to others. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word and I thank you that you've clearly laid out who we are in you. God, I thank you that we can know our identity in, in you and that we can know you and how it all fits together, God, and how it, what it, how it affects our purpose. And God, I thank you that we can recognize our weaknesses so that we can turn them over to you so that we can be strengthened in your power. God, I pray that we would be aware of those around us who are idle, who are faint hearted and who are weak. God, I pray that we wouldn't miss them or we wouldn't be too tired to encounter them and engage with them so that we can follow these guidelines that Paul has laid out. God, I thank you that our path to ministering to these ladies would be made really clear, God, that you would give us the words to say, that you would give us the, the actions that we might need to take, God. And Father, when we start to get tired and weary, God, I pray that somebody would come along and help us hold our arms up so that we can minister to these women that you love so dearly and that you've given to us and entrusted to us to love on as well. God, I just thank you um, for your word and for its encouragement to us. God, I thank you for um, each pastor's wife that's listening, God, today. Father, I thank you that you are surrounding them right now with encouragement directly from you, God. Father, I feel... I, I, I I feel like there are so many who need that encouragement that they don't feel like they have any encouragement to give anybody else. But God, I thank you that right now they can sit quietly before you, God, and that they will just feel encouragement wash over them. God, that you will help them um, in their weaknesses. And God, that you will point out the, the areas that, that we've gotten off track so that, that we can effectively minister to the ladies in our church. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our communities. And 
And I just glorify you, God. Thank you, God, for allowing us the privilege to minister and to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the podcast. I will put some show notes with the verses and some of those definitions in the show notes at the pastorwifelife.com slash 060 as in episode 60. Now, I would love for you to be a guest on my podcast. I know that you have a story to share that can bring encouragement and inspiration to another pastor's wife. So if you'd like to do that, you can find a link in the show notes or go directly to thepastorwifelife.com slash guest and you can find out how you can schedule a time to record a conversation. I promise to make it as easy and pain-free as possible. It is not difficult. So I'd love, love, love. Don't let the enemy tell you you don't have anything to say. We will find something to talk about and I know that your experiences will encourage and inspire other women who are listening. And I want to thank you for listening to the Pastor Wife Life podcast. Until next time, remember, what you're doing makes a difference. And he's given you everything you need to live your Pastor Wife Life. Abide in him and walk in the grace and freedom that he so generously offers. (music) 